0: Tonight we are going to continue. We were going to do this last time, and I thought this is too much to do in, in one night with what we had last time with Abram. We're going to talk about Sodom and Gomorrah. <clears throat> and this, like uh, I would say, many of the stories of Genesis are probably very popular. I would say many people have heard this. Even non-Christians have, have heard something about Sodom and Gomorrah. <clears throat> Tonight we're going to talk about it. Again, this is, this is Abraham's journey. And to catch us up where we're at. Last time we talked about Abram again meeting with God and God having this very slow burn, this very slow, careful journey to get to know Abram and Abram to get to know God. Last time we talked about how God finally came out and said it after 24 years. All right, I'm going to tell you the details of the covenant plan I've been promising. You are going to have a son with Sarai, your wife. And it's going to be your blood relative. It's going to be your offspring, through which I am going to bless not just all of his offspring, which will be numerous, so numerous you can't count them, Is he's going to bless the whole world. Because of that transformation, Abram got a new name. Names matter to God. Abram was changed to Abraham. Abram uh, meaning uh, exalted father and Abraham meaning the father of many. <clears throat> Sarai is a little bit more weird. Sarai means princess, but there doesn't seem to be any kind of difference between Sarai and Sarah, except for some people argue that um, what it might mean is the Sarah, Yah meaning Yahweh, it might mean God's princess. So no one's really sure. But What we do know is that because of this transformation that Abraham and now Sarai are going on, they have got new names, and they will be referred to by these new names for the rest of their life. Abraham, nearing 100. Sarai, 90. Very old. It's hard to believe they're going to have children. And part of what we talked about last time was that God established another covenant (coughs) with Abraham. And this is the covenant of circumcision. This is one of those that you read and you're like, why is this in there? The point of the covenant of circumcision was to say, and, and maybe I'll take one very quick step back. God has relationship with mankind. This is the theme of Genesis. God cares about having relationships with mankind. There are three levels of relationships that God has. I'm going to pick a better marker to do this. The first is the individual Individual. Your individual singular relationship with your Creator is very important to God. It starts with the individual. You were born into this world alone. You will go out alone. When you pray to God, most of the time you're praying directly to God, you and Him. Your salvation was not linked to another human, meaning when you got saved, another human is automatically saved. Your salvation is unique and individual. But that's not where it stops. God also cares about having a relationship with communities. This is where the Covenant of circumcision becomes very important. God wants that community, meaning the what is called the Hebrew, eventually what we call the Hebrews, and, and, and later the Jews or Israelites. God wants a physical sign to mark membership in that community you might come up to someone on the street and again this is in antiquity things are a little bit different if you're a man you tend to you know you know do your business in the you know there's people around it's not like today where you go into a stall and you're all by yourself it would be very obvious if you had something on your male parts that was different than everyone else it would be known very quickly god wanted something to show who was a member of that community physically as, as a kind of act of obedience, but also a mark. That is what circumcision comes from. It says, if you do that, you are showing that you are part of this community of what we call chosen people, a group of people that God is saying, I'm, I am going to establish covenants through and relationships through to show them specifically who I am, and through them, the rest of the world. And that's going to be important tonight, actually. The third way that God has relationships with humanity is generational. This is probably the hardest one for us to understand. It's probably the one that a lot of people get confused about and when you get into apologetics and trying to talk about the, you know, <clears throat> the evidence or or facts behind, you know, God and the Bible and that sort of thing, God does relate to people on a generational basis too. There's no greater emphasis of that as in Genesis. God is not going to completely reveal himself to Abraham. You just have to accept that. Abraham did not, when he died, know God as well as we know God today. In fact, if you think about it, Jesus Christ did not come to the earth in the Garden of Eden. God had a plan, but it took time. This is the one that matters the most with time. Over time, God reveals himself and establishes specific relationships that change and I wouldn't say change and get ripped up I would say grow over time in Eden we had a very very basic relationship with God, humanity did as we went through time and we had Noah and now we're going to have the patriarchs Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and Joseph and then we're going to get down the line to Moses and then eventually to the era of grace that we are in today with Jesus Christ himself over time God is building a relationship with the human race. All three of those are going to be in perspective tonight. So we're going to pick that up and actually start tonight in Genesis chapter 18. Who would like to read, and I'll just give you a heads up, 18 is easier than 19 tonight. So who would like to read chapter 18, (laughs) verses 1 to 33 for me?
1: The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham lo- looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought to and then you may wash then you may all wash your feet and rest under the tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well they answered. Do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. "Quick," he said, "get 3 says of fine flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife, Sarah? they asked him. There, in the tent, he said. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my master is old, I will, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is, there, is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, Yes, you did laugh. When the men got up to leave, they looked down toward Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, "The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sins are so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is a bad or is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know." The men turned away and went to towards Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, The Lord said, "If I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake." Then Abraham spoke up again, "Now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, what is the number of righteous? What if the number of righteous is 5 less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city because of 5 people? If I find 45 there," he said, "I will not destroy it." Once again he spoke to him, What if only forty are found there? He said, For the sake of forty, I will not do it. Then he said, May the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only thirty can be found there? He Then he answered, I will not do it if I find thirty. Abraham said, Now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only twenty can be found there? For the sake of twenty, I will not destroy it. Then he said, May the Lord not be angry, but let me just speak just once more. What if ten can be found there? He answered, For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left, and Abraham returned home. Uh, destroy it, that's your thing. <laughs> that's a good point. But it's interesting that it stopped at ten.
0: Uh-huh, Okay. Because we know what's about to happen, right? <clears throat> right. <clears throat> to some degree. What else do you take from this, or what's your reaction?
2: Well, it's interesting at the beginning, at the very beginning, <coughs> that uh, uh, Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and he saw three men, and he bowed and mm. uh, addressed them as, Oh, Lord.
0: Why do you think he did that?
2: Well, he recognized... It, it was
0: the Lord. Okay, so there was some sign there. What else? It was
2: just like a Christophany or other. Mm. the Old
0: Testament. It's interesting, and that's one of the things I was thinking about talking about tonight, which is, this is one of those passages that's so weird. <laughs> we, we are just... We're compelled to guess what's going on here. Um, What I would say, if you read five different books from very smart people, you get five answers about who this was. We know for sure who was represented here and who was that, because it says it in the text. It was the Lord. Yeah, God, the Lord. It was through these men. Now, this this is the interesting part, because almost always, universally, in the Bible, when God sends... A messenger to speak for him, how many are there? There's, one. there's just one. And so <clears throat> this is very strange why there's three of them, but we eventually figure out why when we start reading chapter 19. But at least for this, let's just stay with 18. What is what is happening here? Kind of what Mike was saying. What is actually going on here <laughs> between Abram, or Abraham now, and the Lord, whose posse, I guess you could say, his, his bros, his guys, are there with him. Who is this? What are they saying? What's going on here? Well,
2: Abraham shows him hospitality.
0: Yes. Him
2: food, you know, washing his feet, washing his feet. And he comforts them.
0: Uh, I read... I don't know where this was the amounts that are listed here would have been 36 pounds of wheat now remember in, in antiquity most people if they ate grain it would be barley which was cheap and easy to grow but it's it's not very tasty i mean you might like barley um, but in antiquity wheat was considered the finest flour. So when you read something that says the finest flour, sometimes it's translated wheat. It was it was the best that he had. So there's the first thing. He didn't just feed him, but he gave him the best of what he had. Mm-hmm. Three sias is about thirty-six pounds of wheat. So that would be about sixty loaves of bread they could bake from this. So that's he's kind of going all out here. <clears throat> it's
1: interesting when it he says quick. I don't know how quick you can turn flour into bread, but <laughs> a little bit of time. Right? <laughs> and then also with the- to, you know, prepare a calf yeah, from the
0: field. that's a big deal. We're killing killing of big one big of our deal. things.
2: Yeah. yeah, and Abraham took a calf that was tender and good.
0: Well, this is the best one, right? I mean, this is yeah. the finest we have. We read weeks ago when Abraham got Lot back, <clears throat> and he had the the kings of the of the region help him. Do you remember what he did with? The priest-king Melchizedek of Salem, what did he do <clears throat> after it was all over?
2: He tied. Yeah. 100%. Yes. one-tenth of his, what do you, his spoils. Right.
0: Exactly. And he gave it in gratitude for God Most High. He, he basically gave it to God. What does this tell you about Abraham? He has faith, and he's not chintzy. I mean, he's willing to give the best of what he has. Now, granted, he's probably very wealthy, but still, you know, there's a lot of wealthy people that wouldn't give give their money away, right? The Simpsons, you know, they had they had Bill Gates once, and uh, it was a cartoon, of course, and, you know, Bill Gates turns out to be, and I'm sure this is not true, but, you know, in the cartoon, Bill Gates turns out to be a cheapskate, cheap and Homer confronts him on it. He's like, well, I didn't get rich writing a bunch of checks. Uh, <laughs> I just think of that it's kind of funny here but Abraham is giving his best stuff away just just right away what else
3: he, he, he ran out to his herd and it.
0: yeah okay and
3: he ran to his wife he had we already know he has like tons of servants yes like he has trained men in his household <coughs> and stuff so the fact that he took the time to pick it and go talk to his wife yes his wife.
0: yeah It's making the effort I want to get back to what Mike was talking about <laughs> What is the problem space here? Why are they here? Well, there's two reasons. Yeah.
3: Should I tell Abraham what I'm going to do? Ah. I thought that was kind of interesting. Okay. You know? And then also, just that I think Abraham started with 50, but then he started. Like, I think his goal is I want Lot saved. He wants Lot in his family.
0: That's it. He does. But Mm -hmm.
3: he starts out with 50, and he realizes, well, wait a minute. Don't.
0: That's. hmm you know, I don't
3: know that there's that many, and I want lots saved, so let me keep going. You
0: know. As soon as Abraham, and and there's two things that the visitors have to say, and actually we kind of glossed over the first one, which is the big one, which was, guess what? I'm just reiterating, you're gonna have a son. <clears throat> oh, by the way, I'm gonna destroy that place, right? And Now we're talking about that. First thing he does, and this was this was what Mike was saying, is like. Dear God, please don't do what you're about to do and destroy this place. <clears throat> and, and we're thinking, yeah, maybe because of Lot. Well, what's the very first thing he does after God says, "Yeah, I'll consider that"? To he, gets he gets he gets bold, doesn't he? Yeah. He's like, well, if I got fifty, what about forty? And and so it goes.
1: Would the, the, can you really find a righteous man? <laughs>
0: That That is a very fair metaphysical question. Yes.
1: Reading through it is like, well, how are you going to find one righteous man? Mm. I mean, and what's that? How does that weigh out? I
0: mean, we know the answer to that. The answer is actually no. But in the Old Testament, there were very many cases where, yes, a person could be identified as righteous. Abraham was righteous because of his faith, Uh, uh, Job was considered a righteous man. So there are cases where yes, you could say technically no, no one is righteous. I think what they're getting at here is people who are dedicated to the Lord. People are dedicated to Jehovah. And yeah, so it's a fair point. But what I I think is remarkable here is both Abraham and God's responses as they're going back and forth. Abraham suddenly and this happens Abraham suddenly realizes that he might be able to change God's mind. Now, I want to stop there for a minute and consider all of the metaphysical and huge theological implications of what I'm, I'm saying here may not come out to be we're actually changing God's mind. What I think it's saying is that there is a negotiation going on here where Abraham is probably realizing this, right? So so when Abraham or Moses often think they are... They are They're changing God's mind. I think what's really happening here is they're having a conversation and and the human is realizing the situation It's being revealed to the human what's happening. But in Abraham's mind, I think he's thinking, I am am convincing God to consider my, my point. I want to stop there and say, how would you apply that to your life today? What does that tell you about your creator? And and again when the when he does this, what does the creator do? God comes back and says, "Yeah, I'll think about it." Remember what I told you in the very first weeks of this class, what the the vast majority of the of the pagan religions of this world believe is that if there is a god or gods in the universe, what do they do?
2: They want to be pleased. To, yeah, you know, and you never know if you're saved or you know.
0: You are rolling the dice. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's all
2: your works. And yes. And maybe you'll be saved. You
0: maybe, enough work. maybe. Maybe not.
2: Maybe
0: not. And, and they probably think I'm super annoying. And they're going to do whatever they want anyway, so they don't really care about me. This interaction is remarkable. It suggests that not only is Abraham comfortable enough now to go to his creator and say, in a, in a respectful way, please, Lord, I want you to consider not doing what you're about to do with a logical, I think, reasonable argument. If if there are individuals who are righteous, I don't want you to wipe the whole community out. We will see again and again in the Old Testament where a community focus is very important. Whole communities will be, for, for lack of a better way to say it, wiped out or spared Based on God's judgment of that community as a whole and their righteousness or non-righteousness. But Abraham is looking at this and saying, but what if there's individuals, and you know he's thinking about Lot, he's thinking about Lot and his family, who must have some indication he must be communicating with Lot and his family about about Yahweh. <clears throat> How remarkable is that? Yeah.
3: Pretty sure with us. Yes. And it shows like you, you are because he had a I think the reason why God was like this was because he had an honest heart. Yeah. He no, knew His his heart was for him. He was patient with him.
0: Yeah.
3: And then, you know, in the next chapter, yeah. what Abraham's true like heart was for Lot, then God, yes, God still enacted his plan, but he saved Lot because that's what Abraham was.
0: Maybe it's, it's too bold to say.
3: He answers our prayers in the way that we... Not the way we expect, but, you
0: know. But maybe this. Well,
3: maybe it's also
1: like, He wants us to have that. Yes, mm-hmm.
0: yes. I you think know, this is it.
1: You know, come to me and that. Tell me what you want. Or, mm-hmm. You
2: know,
0: yes. He
2: wants us to pray. and ask
0: you Yes. Tables, you know. This, is again, this is different than, like the, the, you know... Pele, the volcano god. Let's throw some bread, breadfruit and bananas in there so it doesn't blow us up, right? No, no. Here we're seeing God is patient. He wants us to come to him and talk to him. I totally agree with that. I think this is exactly it. And he's giving a, he's like, ooh, well, I, may, I may destroy it. Right? Waiting for Abraham to say something.
2: Abraham is uh, essentially you know, in a prayer of intercession for
0: other people. Yes. Yeah, that's a good point.
2: He's doing
0: a negotiation with it. Yes. Ah, that's really good. He's
2: interceding for others.
0: Yes. We don't really see, you know. <laughs> kind of he says, ah. um, surely you will not destroy the
3: good it, along with the evil. You're the judge of the earth. What, mm-hmm. Won't you do what's right? So yeah. he kind of wants to, you know, he is slowly getting to know yeah. God more and more. <clears throat> yep. And he kind of wants to know, well, what will God do? Like, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I feel like he's getting to know the righteousness of God. Yeah. Either, you know? Yeah. I think there's a, a verse in James the prayer of a righteous man
0: can
2: accomplish much.
0: Yeah, I love that one. Yeah. yeah. It's true. Yeah. It's true. And not because we are righteous, because we're made righteous, right?
2: Well, when we have faith, then yeah. God imputes his righteousness yes. upon
0: <clears throat> us. We're not righteous, though, in ourselves. It's yes. God who imputes us. That yes. I love it. it. Yes, yes. Okay. Let's go to the next chapter, chapter 19. Who would like to read 1 through 38 for me?
3: The two angels came to Sodom in the evening as Lot was sitting near the city gate. When he saw them, he got up and went to them and bowed face down to the ground. Lot said, Sirs, please come to my house and spend the night. There you can wash your feet, and tomorrow you may continue your journey. The angels answered, No, we will spend the night in the city's public square. But Lot begged them to come, so they agreed and went to his house. Then Lot prepared a meal for them. He baked bread without yeast, and they ate it. Before bedtime, men, both young and old, and from every part of Sodom, surrounded Lot's house. They called out to Lot, Where are the two men who came to you tonight? Bring them out so that we can have sexual relations with them. Lot went outside to them, closing the door behind him. He said, No, my brothers, do not do this evil thing. Look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. I will give them to you, and you may do anything you want with them. But please don't do anything to these men. They have come to my house, and I must protect them the men around the house answered move out of the way and they said to each other this man lot came to our city as a stranger and now he wants to tell us what to do they said to lot we will do worse things to you than to them they started pushing him back and were ready to break down the door but the two men staying with lot opened the door pulled him back inside the house and then closed the door they struck those outside the door with blindness so the men both young and old could not find the door The two men said to Lot, Do you have any other relatives in the city? Do you have any son-in-laws, sons, daughters, or any other relatives? If you do, tell them to leave now, because we are about to destroy this city. The Lord has heard of all the evil that is here, and so he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and said to his future sons-in-laws, who were pledged to marry his daughters, Hurry and leave the city. The Lord is about to destroy it. But they thought that Lot was joking. At dawn, the next morning, the angels begged Lot to hurry. They said, Go, take your wife and your two daughters with you, so you will not be destroyed when the city is punished. But Lot delayed. So the two men took the hands of Lot, his wife, and his two daughters, and led them safely out of the city. So the Lord was merciful to Lot and his family. After they brought him out of the city, one of the men said, Run for your lives. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Run to the mountains, or you will be destroyed. But Lot said to one of them, Sir... "'Please don't force me to go so far. "'You have been merciful and kind to me "'and have saved my life, "'but I can't run to the mountains. "'The disaster will catch me, and I will die. "'Look, that little town over there is not too far away. "'Let me run there. "'It's really just a little town, "'and I'll be safe there.' "'The angel said to Lot, "'Very well, I will allow you to do this also. "'I will not destroy that town, "'but run there fast, "'because I cannot destroy Sodom "'until you are safely in that town. "'That town is called Zor "'because it is little.' The sun had already come up when Lot entered Zor. The Lord sent a rain of burning sulfur down from the sky on Sodom and Gomorrah and destroyed those cities. He also destroyed the whole Jordan Valley and everyone living in the cities and even all the plants. At that point, Lot's wife looked back. When she did, she became a pillar of salt. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and went to the place where he had stood before the Lord. He looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and all the Jordan Valley and saw smoke rising from the land like smoke from a furnace. God destroyed the cities in the valley, but he remembered what Abraham had asked, so God saved Lot's life, but he destroyed the city where Lot had lived. Lot was afraid to continue living in Zor, so he and his two daughters went to live in the mountains in a cave. One day the older daughter said to the younger, Our father is old. Everywhere on the earth women and men marry, but there are no men around here for us to marry. Let's get our father drunk and have sexual relations with him. We can use him to have children and continue our family." That night, the two girls got their father drunk, and the older daughter went and had sexual relations with him. But Lot did not know when she lay down or when she got up. The next day, the older daughter said to the younger, Last night, I had sexual relations with my father. Let's get him drunk again tonight so you can go and have sexual relations with him, too. In this way, we can use our father to have children to continue our family. So that night, they got their father drunk again, and the younger daughter went and had sexual relations with him. Again. Lot did not know when she lay down or when she got up. So both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their father. The older daughter gave birth to a son and named him Moab. He is the ancestor of all the Moabite people who are still living today. The younger daughter also gave birth to a son and named him Ben-Ammi. He is the father of all the Ammonite people who are still living today.
0: So I'm going to ask you, where were the righteous people that were saved? I don't think there were any. What does that tell you about what happened with God or what God did?
1: What do you, what do you think, well, I'm sorry, to answer your question? Yeah. Um, how do you think Lot um, begged them to come into the house? He obviously recognized who they were. Yeah. Did he know that they were coming?
0: I think he knew what was going to happen if they stayed in the courtyard, if they were just men. I don't know that he thought that they were real angels. I don't think that's clear. But I think what a scholar would tell you of this passage is he knew darn well what would happen if they stayed outside and they were just normal humans. Which was not good.
2: He was very compromised just by being in southern, being a part of the culture. I think he he knew Abraham and Mm -hmm. knew his ways. I'm sure he knew what the righteous way was, you know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that you can draw a conclusion.
0: Well, <laughs> like, yeah.
2: God decided showed mercy and decided to save. That's him. it.
0: He showed mercy, and you could argue, you know, ten different ways was Lot right or not, or a good guy or not. What do we know? God saved his bacon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and his, daughters.
1: <clears throat> and his daughters. Well, and that's kind of confusing because, like, beginning, you know, up in verse thirteen mm-hmm. he talks about how, and he said to his son-in-laws so <clears> who <throat> were to marry his daughters. Mm-hmm. So yes. The, the so then,
0: the
2: laws yeah. gone? they didn't go. Or?
0: The no, the sound laws
2: after.
0: <clears> yeah. Think. They they didn't buy it. Yeah. They didn't he buy it. The cut. And and it's good to know that um what this is a this is a cultural thing. You would be betrothed to a man and you weren't married yet, meaning you hadn't had sex and you didn't have the wedding feast and you weren't officially married. But you would still call these men your son-in-law. That's that's an important point. That happened with Mary and Joseph as well. But those men didn't buy it, like Craig said. So they they didn't get drug out of there. They didn't want to go.
2: <clears throat> and his wife made the mistake of looking back. Then with their disobedience, you know. That's I mean, it. I told him not to do that.
0: That's and that's that's it, Craig. And, you know, a lot of people look at this and go, how, you know, how callous. She just looked back. How could you be climbing up these rocks and not look? I think the intimation here is that she went back. Or at least she she tried to go back. Uh, yearned to go back. It wasn't just... She caught it out of the... You know, I don't know. Right. No one really knows, but I think that that is what you were getting at. She was disobedient about it. <laughs> I think it shows how, like, weak lot is. Yeah? You know, earlier... He chooses the easily Yep. from from you know, if you
3: yep. gracious to let him choose first yeah. and then mm-hmm. now he's just very weak. You yep. know? He, he, they tell him go to the mo- like he has two angels who have just saved yep. him multiple times from being torn yes. right outside the door. You know, now in the morning they've said like, Okay, we're gonna save your bacon. And
0: then he's like, "Oh, I can't go to the mountains. Like that's too hard for me." Like, oh, well, we forget he was rescued by Abraham and the and the righteous kings, yes, yes. and took him back to Salem and said, "We saved your bacon because of God Most High." Look, who does Lot remind you of? <laughs> this guy. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what you guys think. <laughs> Lot reminds me of me. I'm sorry, but I feel like I would be like Lot sometimes. I don't know how I could be like Abraham sometimes. Like you, How many times have we been shown the grace and mercy of God and his power in our lives, and we still are like, hmm, right? That's shiny. I want to do that, right? I don't know. <clears throat> yeah. It's hard. It would
1: be pretty hard to say you're as bad as Lot. I don't know <laughs> you're, <laughs> like a, you're so sweet, hey, Mike. You know Thank I mean? you. You're not gonna be like have a boy come up to your house and be like, Here,
0: take my daughters no. Which may have been tongue in cheek, but still the fact they said it was not very good. So he
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, doesn't get a flower pot for that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah not not so good. Not so good. Um, one one important comment <clears throat> the Hebrews, Jews, Israelites cared a great deal about understanding why their neighbors were the way they were. I just I take a quick step back here to say, let's look at the region because it's important. Mediterranean Sea, Egypt is down here, Israel. This very thin strip goes up to Syria, Turkey, etc. You have this this region which is a flat area where the Philistines essentially kind of, at some point, encamped and never really left. And then you have the Judean Hills, this this kind of semi mountainous, very hilly, rocky region where the Jews lived. And they, they essentially, for almost their entire time, were able to encamp and, and kick the Philistines out, and they, they really made their home here. This is a rift valley. Like, if you've ever been to uh, Palm Springs, you know, as you leave L.A., you go over the mountains, and then you drop down into this very deep, very hot valley. That's what this was. Dead Sea, Sea of Galilee, um, Lake uh, Hermon up here. <clears throat> There's a flat Rift Valley Plain here. That's where these cities were. So you've got Hebron, uh, the trees of Mamre up here in the hill. But, you know, I've seen pictures. I haven't been there, but I've seen pictures And near the Judean hills. You can see this lake. It's kind of like the Salt Sea in California. You can see the whole thing. And then you can see the cities. We're not really sure where they were. It's It's probably down at the south part of the sea here. <clears throat> Sodom, Gomorrah, zoar there, there were several cities down here. All now, essentially, they've, they've been burned to the ground. Um, that, is, that is proven. And then you've got the hills over here that go rise back up again. These are the mountains. These, this is the region where the Moabites and the Ammonites lived. Bitter enemies of Israel, essentially. Except for the Moabite princess, who would be in the line of Jesus. <clears throat> the author is trying to explain here Why? They're so corrupt and wicked and why they're enemies. Well, because they, they sprung from an incestuous relationship with the nephew of our father, Abraham. So that's when he says, we, we escaped to the mountains, he's probably going up here and that's that now populated by these people. So, But it's weird. It's crazy, right? And how does he not know when they keep laid, laid down? Eh, I think he probably knew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> I think you probably
2: know. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing. He got the father medicine you know, since uh,
0: Well, it's got to be like, well, why are you pregnant? Uh, I'm the only guy around, so. You know. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yep. And what does that tell you? What do you take away from this then? What does that, what does that mean? Why is that here?
3: Well, see, that also shows how weak he was because they, he was afraid. You know, he begged to go to Zor, yep. so he goes to Zor, but then now he's afraid to live in Zor, so they go up to a cave, you know, and he's just, like, hiding here. Yeah. Cave, and, you know, he's
0: supposed to be the leader. Either. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah.
2: it would be an example of man just apart from God. Yeah. Just wandering around doing his
0: own will. I think that's fair. And, you
2: know, kind of
0: lost. Aimless. Lost, yeah. Just, lost just getting in and out of trouble. Bad stuff. Yeah. yeah.
3: Why didn't go to Abraham?
0: That is the first thing I thought, like why didn't he go back? It seems to be a deliberate effort on his part. Look, again, the absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. We don't know that he didn't go to Abraham. <clears throat> if I were Lot, I would have gone right up there and said, "Thank you for having those guys come down and pull me out," and you know, there must have been communication back and forth between Abraham and Lot and his people. They had servants and and family members and you know, they're not there's not a wall here. <clears throat> You have to think at some point Lot realized what happened. Maybe he did thank him. We just don't know. The Bible doesn't record it, though. Well, that that's glaring, right? That seems pretty glaring. <clears throat> makes Abraham look better and better. I mean, I don't know how to say this, but every time Lot screws up, it makes Abraham look better, even though he's not perfect either. So. <clears throat> what... What is the take home here? If you were to read this passage, you know, in today's day and age, what would you process from this, and how would you explain it to somebody else?
3: I think that uh, we'll think that you know, every generation thinks that like things are getting worse. Yeah. You know, from the generation before. Yep. You know. And this kind of shows that there's nothing new under the sun. Like people have been evil from the beginning. Yeah. You know. Yeah. The only thing that will fix anything is relationships with Jesus.
2: <laughs> That's a good one. It's almost like a repeat of the days of Noah. Oh my gosh. In that city of cities.
0: Yeah. I felt like we just turned the clock back, Craig. Right. Goodness gracious. Like, didn't you guys learn anything?
2: spirit of and just mm-hmm. overwhelmed in the absence of God. Yeah. And in the absence of following God. Yep. So, yes, man apart from God, I think, just goes astray. That's,
0: yeah. Just yep. an
2: example of that. And I think in Romans one, there's something about man that you know continually rejects God and suppresses mm-hmm. the truth. God eventually hands them over to their own evil desires, and who consumes them. Yeah. You know, I think that's an example of what's going
0: on here. It's almost it is like that, isn't it? It's almost yeah. like as if to say. You are going to destroy yourself. You are digging your own grave. If you want my help, I'll help take that shovel away. You know,
2: if there's no repentance, then God just gets out of the way and just.
0: He's like he doesn't smoke. He's he's like good luck with that.
2: That's That's it.
0: That's exactly it. Which we're very good at, aren't we, Craig? (laughs) We're very good at that.
2: But then God brings us to a place where we can.
0: What would you say to someone who says, Oh, this just shows that the God of the Old Testament is mean and angry and I don't want to I don't want to be associated with that.
3: I would say, Did you read that? <laughs> 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 because it shows God's very gracious. That's it. He was willing to save it for only ten people. Yeah. Ten righteous people. And he saved the people that Abraham was worried about. Mm-hmm. And if you see how wicked they were I mean, that's, I would think even today, people would want that Mm -hmm. punished, you know? I mean, or they would recognize it as wickedness,
1: I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, today, if people would recognize a lot of things as wicked. Yeah. And there is judgment. Yes. I mean, God is the God of
2: grace, mercy, yep. wrath, yep. judgment.
0: Mm-hmm. You know. so. It's his world. He created it. It's his rules. It's kind of like my house, my rules, right? Mm-hmm. You, you're you my people. I created you. You're my creation. This is the world I created for you. These are my rules. You don't have to follow them. Mm-hmm. But guess what? I'm kicking you out if you don't, you know?
1: And he's slow to die, you know. Patient, and you know he gave them opportunities. You know. Yes, this is super important.
0: You have to think that night that the men came to Lot's house was not the first night that some bad guys, ruffians, came to town. I think this is what Stacy is getting at. Things have probably been bad, and just falling off a cliff for a long time, and God has been patient. God has been patient. You have to think, too, with Abraham within sight of these cities, there has to be some communication going back. back. Look, I'm going to tell you, everyone heard about the, the battle of the five kings. I'm going to tell you that right now. Everyone heard about it. That is news that spread throughout the land, because it was so amazing, right? And yet... Right? You know, people know Abraham. They know he's righteous. They know he's got some relationship with God that's obviously interceding in his life. And yet, what are they still doing? Well, one of the kings was going to sodom,
3: <clears throat> wasn't it?
0: Yes, that is true. Yeah,
3: he's
0: that good. is true. What's I tell you about today? It just yeah.
2: shows, I think, God's, man's need for God. Yes. And uh, in the absence of that, I mean, if man is serving sin and loving sin, there's just no end to the depravity. Yes, it it just goes uh, crazy. You know, Uh, there's no end to it. And so, there's a point where if man cries out in his despair, God hears him, and and he can repent and God. but until they get to that point, (laughs) you you have they have free will.
0: And even if they don't become righteous, perfect people right away. Guess what? I think this is what I take from this. Even if you can't clean your act up completely right away, God is still going to be merciful, I think, if you make some attempt, some attempt, to right yourself with him, or at least talk to him. Look, I think God knew. God's sitting there, just listening to Abraham going, well, what if there's 50 people? And you can just see God's, you know, again... I make God into like a character, right? He's like, he's like sure, yeah, 50. You know he knows. You know he knows. Well,
1: that's the part that's yep. boggling to me why Abraham would even, like, he just told you what's going to happen yep. to you for, like, the next year. Yep. He already <coughs> knows what's going to happen. Why, why do you? <laughs> I don't know.
0: So I want you to then translate. I want you to then translate. Abraham is saying, Well, God, what if there's 50 righteous people? What if there's 45? What if there's 40? What is Abraham really saying? What is he really saying? What
2: about
0: my family? Please save my family, even though they're terrible people. (laughs) That is what he is actually saying to God. We have to admit that. Mm -hmm. Please, God, my family are terrible, but I don't want them to die. Please save them. And what did God do? He He saved them.
3: I think it's funny how God like talks to Abraham. He says, "Like, I've heard many complaints against the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. I will go down and see if they're as bad as I've heard."
0: Yeah, don't you <laughs> love that? They put them in <laughs> okay, our that's our, our terms. Funny. Yeah, it's yeah. I guess
3: they're worse than we
0: thought. Yeah. That's, ooh. Oy vey. <laughs> yeah, I was listening to a uh, sermon about the Canaanites. You know, like what does God have
2: against this Canaanites? Yeah. Apparently, you know, there was something about he gave them over 400 years or so mm. of mm. patience, but they didn't. They kept worshiping gods and, you know, sacrificing children and, mm-hmm. like that. and um, eventually God lost his patience after that yeah. time. And Rahab was evidence of that—that that they actually knew God. Yeah. And and she said, "We know your God," you know.
0: See, know this is, is it. This Rahab is it. Yeah. And she, she
2: was a Canaanite in Jericho.
0: This wasn't a secret, right? They knew, right. but we like these other gods too, because yeah. you know it doesn't ask anything of us. <laughs> we can just do what we want. Yeah.
2: And people love their sin more than that's it. their God. You
0: know? Maybe that's our take home too, right? You know, who do you love better, your sin and your pride, or do you want to admit you don't know everything in the world? This is the thing that's very hard for most of the world who will not give their lives to Jesus, even though you tell, and I don't want to, like to you know, make you not tell people about Jesus. You just have to be ready for this. <clears throat> most people don't want to change. They don't. Even people that become Christians, to some degree, stagnate in their faith because it requires something of them. Again, it's not works. It's simply the allowing the Holy Spirit to change us. That's really all we're doing here. There's no works involved. It's saying, I am going to let you change me. What is the, the, the glossy, liberal view of modern Christianity is? You don't have to change. Come as you are, which is the right way, but stay as you are. That is the wrong way. You have to be willing to be changed by God. And Abraham was willing to be changed. There's no other way to say that. Abraham was a polytheistic nobody. Who was probably wealthy, and he had more money than he knew what to do with. He was everything that the world thought was great, and yet he let God change him. He was willing to cut things and change his whole society for him.
3: Like <clears context throat> between him and Lot because,
0: yeah,
3: you know, God said, "Move to this land of Canaan, which you have never been to," and he just did. Yeah, and God asked Lot to just go to the hills, and he's like. Oh, but I want to stay where I'm comfortable. I want to go to Zor because it's a town. Yeah, that is. Yeah, he's not
0: even willing to go to mountains that he would see. Yeah. Sometimes being in a relationship with God means doing something you don't want to do. Maybe you want to live in the city. Maybe you got to go to the country. That's an easy one. Maybe you've got to, you know. You have, to, you have to find Christian friends and stop hanging out with the people who are not Christians so much because it's, it's influencing you. I mean, it's all that kind of stuff. Maybe you have to drink less, you know? You have to stop looking at nasty pictures and saying terrible things to people. I mean, that's what I'm getting at here is, yes, it does ask something of you, but what is the reward for that? What's the reward for that, that semi-tough thing you're going through now, letting God change you? What is the eternal reward for that?
2: Well, you're following uh, God, and His statutes and commandments. Yeah. And it's pleasing to Him, the One who created you and, yeah. you and has done everything. Yeah, maintains everything that's mm-hmm. living. that We see yep. everything that's alive. Yeah, that has given us life, mm-hmm. the sanctity of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wouldn't? Why wouldn't you want to please God? You know, really want yeah. to think of
0: it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: That we're these little specks in this universe that He cares about. Yes. Him.
0: Yep. You know, it's funny you should say that Because Carl Sagan made Again, I love Carl Sagan But he was not a Christian And he's probably not in heaven But he said When the Voyager spacecraft went out into the, into the into the void And they turned the camera back one last time To take a picture of the Earth From hundreds of millions of miles away There is the blackness and emptiness of space With this tiny little blue dot And that became known as the little blue dot Carl Sagan used that to argue, look at how meaningless you are in this universe. You are nothing. You are a speck on a moat of dust in a galaxy of a billion galaxies. And it completely backfired on him. Why? Because it proved. It proved actually the exact opposite. Look at how special you are Mm -hmm. of all of creation around us. The billions of galaxies that inhabit our universe, you are so special to be on that little blue dot. In Oasis, in the ocean of space, God cares about you. He cares about you. And this is something that when you share the gospel, I really hope that you start it with. You matter to God. And you matter so much that God wants a relationship with you. And he sent his son to die for you, that you can choose to have eternal life with your creator who created all of this in an eternal paradise. How awesome is that? Okay. Well, thanks for joining us. We will... Well amen, right? Yeah, we will we will pick this up next week. Thanks for joining us.